Hey, this is Dave. This is Tim. And this is Dave and Tim. No, okay. and Dave. I got Tim and Dave. I, yeah. Yeah, okay. This. Well, we testing. should actually add that into the show. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. This is Tim. And this is Dave. This is Tim and Dave. All right, we're live. We live. We're doing it. We're live. We're doing it. All right, sit down, David. You gotta sit down right now. Sit down, yeah, baby. All right, we're Gonna going. Sit down into my life. So I've recently embarked on a new intellectual venture. Oh God! I'm learning Latin. Latin, you Latin. say? That's right. So what precipice or what? Well, what? I've just what, what am I trying to say? What? Pr- pr- what precipitated? What precipitated? What, you're what thinking precipice of? this? <laughs> Hello, I'm I'm Dave from the Tim and Dave Show, and well, right uh, now, David, I'm an I'm, academic. I'm standing on the precipice of learning Latin, and what precipitated my doing so is I, you know I will always I will always admire your command of the English language. Oh, like, thank you. And, and when I do, when I know a word that you don't know, like <laughs> that's dude, like, that stuff makes me feel like so much better in than your you. calendar. Like the days in which I have known more than Tim about the vocabulary of the English language. Wow. But go on, you are learning Latin. So yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you need to learn Latin. You can't be an educated person without knowing Latin. I mean, I, I, I mean, you back in the day, no, that's true. Yeah, but I just think it's important. Not, not really. It's, it'd just be cool to learn Latin. I guess what precipitated it is because of how much I've been reading. You. Is because of how much I've been reading like Roman history and stuff. Right, right. So I'm like reading all this stuff about Roman history, mm-hmm. hearing Latin names and whatnot, right. learning the correct pronunciations. Right. And I guess it just sparked an interest to actually learn the language. Go figure. Yep. Remember when we were uh, in college uh, at Westchester, we mm-hmm. had uh, the Westchester newspaper. Yeah. And there was an issue going on in campus where they, they took away all of the paper towels yes, in, the, I remember in the bathrooms. Yes, uh-huh. And, and we were going to write an article. We write, I wrote the article, we, but we never submitted it. I know, it. right? So we were going to write an, an op-ed regarding yeah. how they really should like reinstate having napkin dispensers or, or, or paper, uh, towel, paper towel dispensers and it is, this in the bathroom. Is a, this is a topic that more people need to be concerned about. I think we should do a segment eventually about the... Uh, I don't know if there's science behind it, really, but I've, I, I just feel like... If, even though there's not science behind uh-huh. it, to me it still feels like there has to be something nasty about it. So yeah. I feel like I don't and, uh, that the hand blowers are uh-huh. not sanitary. Like I don't mm. know if there's any science behind Plus, it. Another thing, but like, I just feel like I don't want to do that, especially yeah. the ones where you have to put like your hands in like and it like, never almost like a tube. It. No, of course. So I'm still wiping on my pants, so it looks yeah, like I, I'm, I'm like some freaking you know degenerate you just, you who doesn't know how to like, freaking aim. You just feel like I don't know. What do you feel like? I feel like, grimy. I feel grody. You I feel oppressed. I feel oppressed. Uh, when I do this, it's just disgu- it's just disgusting. Like I, I don't Plus, think sometimes I've never met a person who said actually I really like hand dryers. I bet there are a bunch. I bet in Silicon Valley you can find oh, people who say that. Oh my god, I hate but, Silicon Plus, Valley. Plus, sometimes when I go to the bathroom, I got to blow my freaking nose. That's you know what the I mean? thing. Yeah, and it's so toilet and paper. You can't do it in toilet that paper. Cheap toilet it, paper. Yeah. So, like, anyhow, so ladies and gentlemen, Tim and I were in the university together, and we saw that there was a pattern going on in buildings at Westchester. They were removing the paper towel dispensers, and they were instating these like. You know, I believe eco-friendly, a, oh, you, yeah, know, you like, know, blah blah blah. I believe it's a form of social control. Really, go on. Yes, like, they like just want to. They just want to make you feel like a slave, <laughs> make you feel like cattle. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Um, so, uh, well, we, we, what I had to do during the winter season was go down to the Starbucks near the university uh-huh. and grab like a freaking pocket full of freaking Ugh. napkins because, like, I'm a poor, I'm a poor college student. I'm not uh-huh. going to buy some tissues. Like, nope. I want to go to the restroom, get myself all straightened out, exactly. And it, like, 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 a, like a civilized human being. Uh-huh. Like, you know, where am I supposed to do this? People like, get colds in the winter. Yeah, exactly. So Thank you. What are they Thank supposed you. to do? Yeah, I guess put our nose, our nostrils in the freaking like air on the yeah, air and have it dryers. Just, in your nose. Just, so anyhow, we got real, as you could see, yeah. heated about this topic in yes. university. And so what we ch- decided to do is write an op-ed about it. And mm-hmm. actually, God, I, I wonder if we still have that op-ed. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I mean, I just wrote it on the school computer, like in between classes. But did you email it to it. me? I, I don't. I don't know. I printed it out. I know that. I don't yeah. know if I ever emailed it to you. Gosh, darn it! You should look I, I at wonder. whatever email address. Yeah, you no, had. and I, I really wonder what would have been the. It was just it's really this long diatribe of it, uh-huh. but where this is all. The idea was that we were going to like do a thing weekly and write it under a, a Latin pseudonym. Exactly. That, I just remember that. That's, that's what, where this is starting. Yeah. That's exactly. what precipitated your your um digression. Remembering yes. about this. So what there was this old like the standard that was done during i think it was the enlightenment period mm-hmm. where you know if the founding fathers of america would write snide yes, yeah. like uh-huh. ca- articles in newspapers or what have you yeah. and use monikers that were based off of latin uh, yeah. roman uh-huh. senators yeah. uh that were just like ambiguous like uh-huh. roman senators yeah. and like, they had no uh, they were like b- like big like, people in, like in quintilis publicus yeah, or like, like, so, and like like out of nowhere and it was just like it's just like like i could just imagine their like witty like laughter we <laughs> 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 we're really showing the af- the, the affluence and the elite what what's for good sir exactly <laughs> so but no so that's what we did we were going to do it and we just never got uh-huh. around to it but um, speaking of intellectualism and What's awesome that? things. What's that? One of my favorite poets uh-huh. that you absolutely abhor uh-huh. is coming out with a new con- consolation of... Uh, I'm confused, David. I thought we were speaking of intellectual things. That's right, Tim. Intellectual mm. things. Yeah. I find her poetry amazing. It's terrible. Ladies and gentlemen, Rupi Carr, one of my favorite poets. Really? One at, of your favorite poets? One of my favorite poets. Okay. Especially, probably my favorite modern day poet is well, actually, actually. Nah, I don't, there's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not tuned into modern day poetry at all. None of what I've read of it has really impressed me. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I think, I don't know, I think you got to be in the right mindset when you're actually reading certain poetry forms. Uh-huh. So anyways, um, Rupi Carr made uh, Milk and Honey. I think that was published in 2015. She was a poet, modern poet, free verse poet, who started out writing uh, Instagram poetry and then drawing some like illustrations with it. Yeah, crappy then, illustrations. No, they were, okay, they weren't the like, crappy poetry. I think the simplicity was the beauty of it. Uh-huh. Uh, and she became hugely popular and then self-published her book. I, I, you have to admit this. Was it really self-published? It was self-published because no publisher would buy her work. So she made, I think, about 2,000, 3,000 copies out of her own pocket. Uh Okay, that's That's – how much did that cost? Okay, so I would say a printing of a a book would Uh be – for 3,000 copies, I'd say close to maybe $10, $10-$15 a unit, yeah, possibly. That's a lot. So, yeah, it is a lot of money. So she probably sold it for 20, uh-huh. barely making anything, hmm. right? And uh, so that's that, I act, that I actually want to look into. So, but that's a th- that's the thing though. Like, what, what do you mean look into? Look at how like, much it costs. See if that's actually true. Like it started as a self-published. It, it was absolutely true. Absolutely huh. true. That's at least interesting. That's what I'm saying. She was a self-made person. Okay. Uh-huh. She had a had a, had a vision, and uh-huh. she and she wanted to go forward 
with it. Yeah. And I think and I think I I think that's again as I was talking to you about this yes last uh-huh. week. It's the start. It's the it's the story behind the artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. and also because she's she emigrated to Canada from I believe. Um, I think Pakistan, someplace like yeah, that. it's some uh, or it was in India. I forget. I'm not, I'm I'm probably butchering her past, but I'm sorry. But the point is that she had like this very interesting startup story, uh-huh. and she just did what she wanted to do. And from there, she made this beautiful book uh, of poetry, and I love it. But now she's coming out with a new one, uh-huh. and it's called "The Sun and Her Flowers." Oh, the su- oh boy, the sun and her flowers. Yeah, no, it's so the 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 premise is this: like the milk and honey was more. Um, uh, I guess I wouldn't say depressive, but definitely it's about with healing. resentful. No, in a sense, but I think it was more about healing. Uh-huh. The, the process of being hurt and Harold moving Bloom on. Bloom would call it resentful. I don't know who that is. Okay, um, who is Harold Bloom? A major literary scholar. Great, Tim. Very old. Okay, well, wonderful. The point is, it was about healing and pain and just just going through life, etc. The sun and her flowers is based on like the four seasons mm. and not the hotel. Oh, and, darn it! Now that would be a good poetry <laughs> book. I don't even think I've ever been in a four seasons i can't think of no i don't think so yeah um we've been to hilton's oh wow um we most of our i think most of the see if rupee car started writing poetry about the different hotel chains <laughs> maybe i could get I, I think i could get behind her that'd be pretty interesting actually the hilton the feeling of the lamp on a table <laughs> turning it on white sheets fresh over tucked mints Mint. Generic. <laughs> Pain. <laughs> Room service. Man in tuxedo. Ooh. Guilty pleasures. <laughs> but no. Um, so, so the sun of her flowers is based on the four seasons. And it's more or less like just the idea of, you know, rebirth. Being mm. able to uh-huh. move on with life. And again, gosh, I wish it wasn't a copyright infringement to say some of her poetry. But all I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is check it out. Like, it is... I felt so much for her poetry. Like, Tim, how much poetry have you read in your life? And you said you felt the poetry. A decent bit. Okay. Name me who, whom. I know we talked about Baudelaire last um, time we broke, brought Baudelaire, up. Baudelaire, um, Yeats. Ye- no, not Yeats. Yeats, Yeats yeah. Yeats, that's, that's the main one. Right, Yeats. right. Anybody, any modern poets? Is, no, not really, no. See, that's the thing. Like, it's hard to find. Like, I can get it. Like, you can read a poem. Because poetry, uh-huh. for God's sakes, it's, 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 it's such a wide variety yeah. of things you can have from, especially that there's such a diversity of poetry uh-huh. throughout the ages. But modern day poet, I, I find it unique that you can find modern contemporary authors, literature, poets, songwriters, etc. that actually touch you. Because I'm very particular about the things that I emote with. And I think uh-huh. Rupi Carr put the, put the, um, hit the nail on the head with this. So um, check it out, ladies and gents. It comes out in October. Again, I really wish we were being sponsored by Rupee, uh, but mm. unfortunately we're not. Yeah. She's becoming hugely popular. She's on talk shows now. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Podcasts, uh, live performances. Uh, she has a really cool feminist vibe to her, um, like a very good perspective of that and women's rights. Um, and I think also, too, it's coming from a perspective of an individual who emigrated to a, to a new country. Uh-huh. Um, so you're getting like another viewpoint too as well um but i'm I'm looking forward to it and i'm excited um i mean i'm looking forward to it to criticize it did you read honey smoke and honey yes you read the whole you read the whole whole thing read read the whole damn i've read a number of selections i'm letting you borrow it i'm letting you borrow it Uh, i'm gonna let you borrow it okay you have to read the whole thing i I want you to get a a glass of wine get some lower down the lights yeah i'm gonna need it get some get a bottle (laughs) get through that thing uh, listen to some calm music and really try to get into her head. Like, uh-huh. like I'm it, in her head. I know the head. I'm in the. I'm in her head. 
<laughs> I understand it. I'm in the head. Believe me. Oh man, Tim, I just I really wish you'd appreciate what I loved. I'm sorry, but I love you. Thank you. But you don't appreciate yourself. No, that's, that's also true. <laughs> You'll love that's, Rupee Car. That's another. <laughs> So another big news topic that's coming up about the latest and greatest. Oh yeah, you're uh, talking about that health care bill. No, I was oh. actually wanting to talk about the killers, but I guess in a oh, way. Oh no, okay, it, go for the killers. But you know, but you know what? It kind of goes no, no, no. Go for logic. The, that's a, that's a more high, higher level of artistic. All right, so the killers than Ruthie Carr. Yeah, so the killers actually are um, a band that I love. They've been out. She's um, 15 years now. Something I don't know. I, I first. Like, heard of them, I think, in, like, 2005. Yeah, 2005, 2006, okay, right. Yeah. Um, but their new album, Wonderful, Wonderful, is coming out. In, wow, is it that good? It's called Wonderful, Wonderful. Wonderful, Wonder, like, I actually kind of, yeah, I actually kind of like it. It's so, like... So uh, Japanese, isn't it? I wouldn't say Couldn't it's Japanese. Like... I would say more like it's 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 so anti-album cover names. Okay, you know what I mean. Like it's uh-huh. like like they're like it's like not hot edgy fuss. And... Hot, yeah, like hot fuss was their first album. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um, uh, crap! I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank. This hot fu- Sam's Town was their second album. Uh-huh. Their compi- c- compilation album was Sawdust. Uh-huh. Uh, then they came out with Day and Age, and then the last one was Battleborn, which their last tour was in 2013-14, which was uh-huh. the last time their tour for the album was so they've been they do actually perform but not as far as their as their as their tour for their album so i was surprised though 2013 14 was their last album like i know brandon flowers has uh... gone off and done his solo work Uh um and every year they do a christmas thing too but uh but yeah i'm super stoked turns out the wonderful wonderful album name came from uh i think brandon flowers lead singer was out in the desert and <laughs> I could do not. And then, yeah. and then it started, it was about, cause he lives in Nevada, in the Las uh-huh. Vegas, uh, Nevada. And uh, you know how that's like a very arid, yes, you know, I know there's and, a lot of desert. In yeah, Nevada. obviously. Yes. And it's dry and, and storms come and go as quick as the, as the, you know, as the turning of the wind uh-huh. and he's out there, you know, doing whatever. And then a storm starts to roll in quickly. And if you, I, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in the mountains that far out, but no. like in 15, 20 minutes, it can roll in on you and be right on top. When I was uh, backpacking the mountains of Colorado, when I was a teenager, uh, like we got caught on a in a, in a huge thunderstorm on oh, top yeah? of a mountain, and like it was one of those deals where like you you, you saw everything turn white, and mm-hmm. there wasn't a second even of 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 time in which you would have to not hear the sound. It was white light bang, wow. and on top of that, and then we after the storm was done, uh-huh. uh, we could have died seriously uh, on the mountain. We walked a hundred yards away, uh-huh. and there was a smoking freaking tree wow. right off the path, huh. and we were like a hundred yards away from that, and like Yikes. everyone's shooken up, and I'm all like, I'm cool because I was like a sixteen year old, no, fifteen year old kid, and I was uh-huh. like, this isn't anything. Like I I don't understand death, yeah. but all the adults <laughs> that were with us were all like, holy crap, that was ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, but anyways, so these storms come in really fast. Brandon knows this. Brandon Flowers knows this. And all he says to himself, like in the this is just, just like nonchalantly in his head, like is wonderful, wonderful. So it's like I don't know, like it just sounds so like you know I don't know, like oh whatever. But like that's what I think is kind of poignant about the title of the album because it's so nonchalant. You know what I mean? It's like wonderful, yeah. wonderful. It just reminds me of like something you'd see in Japan. You know how like a lot of Japanese marketing and whatnot likes to just use random American words. <laughs> I can just rem- imagine like a, a Japanese cereal brand. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Yo, mom, can I get some wonderful, wonderful? Desu? Des? <laughs> Des? Um, so uh, I think the first single that came out was uh, I'm the Man. And I kind of like it. Oh, yeah? it's, it's so over the top and so 
Uh, I, I would say chauvinistic. I would say more so. It's How like chauvinistic. It's, it would be boastful. Yeah, I don't know. On the he talks about like all this, like nothing can break, nothing can break me down. Yeah, I'm the man. Bum, bum. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got money in the bank. Uh, then it's, it's just like it's just, just so like I guess it is boastful, but I guess yeah. it, but there's definitely bravado. I guess that's the word I'm looking yeah, for. Uh-huh. Bravado. Um, so their new album's coming out, I think, in a couple months. But what's really cool is that their Philadelphia tour date is January 13th. And, God, I don't I don't know if anybody out there who's listening knows about, like, the modern scene for, like, big pop bands now. Or I, don't, I don't. Well, the tour the tickets are outrageously oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In expensive. Ge- in general, it's It's like $160 for, in a, general, for a crap like, seat. For a crap like, seat. The price it for, like, all live events. Yeah. Sports. Well, Music, baseball's, whatever. Baseball's kind of cheap. Really? Yeah, you can get a cheap. Philly but in ticket. general, things are really ex- like live events are really expensive. I kind of wonder why. Well, I mean, I think it's a novelty. It's a luxury to be able to uh-huh. see things live in person because I think the up upstart cost of that is mm. just. I think it's more like it's like almost like um, God, I don't even know. Like it's like a service. It's like a service yeah. fee to be in. Uh-huh. You're already spending ass tons of money on on the beverages, on the food, on it's the. Co- Bomel's cost disease. What's that? William Bommel, an economist. Um, he okay. So, a ma- like his major idea of cost disease was that okay. So, in an economy, we have services and products. Right, right, right. right. So, you can really increase your productivity in actual produ- in actually producing stuff, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like with technology and with different innovations, right? You can produce like ten times more cars than you could ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm. But a band can't play a performance 10 times more than they could 10 right, years ago, right, right? Right, And because of that, like, differential in productivity, like, right. the pro- the productivity of actually producing things increases so much, mm-hmm. but services, that productivity can't increase so much. Right. It makes the cost of services, like, increase by a lot. Huh. So I guess it's just economics in the end. They can't be multiple the killers. Exactly. But, God, they're a great band. Um God, when Miss Atomic Bomb came out, I was like... I liked that song. Miss Atomic song. Bomb, we're making out, we got the radio on. Yeah, it's a good song. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. You just really want to sing. Me. You're gonna miss me when mm-hmm. I'm gone. Where are you going? Where are you going, dude? I'm actually going to be seeing good friends soon, uh-huh. this, uh, next weekend, who yeah. are maybe going to join us during our podcast. That would be interesting. So I'm excited about that. Our first special guest. Special guest. So I'm, 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 I'm super psyched. Can't wait. I am excited. Yep. Um, on the topic, though, and no. this is the segue, Tim, that you butchered because okay. you, you got a little little ha- heavy-handed here. That's true. We were talking about the killers. Yes. But let's now go Ooh. into something so literal as the killers uh-huh. and that's the individuals who killed uh-huh. the skinny repeal bill yeah. in the senate there and was there, there, there there was a more um there was a more crude way to segue that too okay tim let's John okay John let's reverse this all right Timmy. Okay. so now we need to go on to the next topic speaking no you say that do the do the killer segue. this is not working out <laughs> so speaking about the killers john mccain's cancer that is a terribly See, dark. See, I said and... <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> so I anyhow. was wondering because I saw there were two ways you could go with that. The right, way you did or the way I did. That, well, that's I, I, went, I went in a more proactive and happier and that's true. More, more, I guess, more spiteful way towards the U.S. government than yeah, it was. Uh-huh. The, okay. Anyways, point. <laughs> that's why we're a podcast duo. <laughs> um, anyhow, so. I don't know if any of you listeners remember, I think a couple podcasts ago, Tim and I were debating about the health care bill passed at the House. 
Um, and then it was moved to the Senate. And the idea was is that they passed this really bad health care bill. It was a really stupid bill. And the reason why was just to show bravado on the Trump administration that they can pass a bill. Uh, and that they no, thought, that's literally why. I mean, what no, no, this no, no, bill no. does is nothing that Trump's ran on. Yeah, no, no, like no. Like he ran on explicitly the opposite yeah, of what right. this bill does. So long story short, made a new bill. It was crap for the health care. Uh, uh-huh. and, and the idea was that it won't pass in the Senate. They'll revise it and they'll make it quote unquote better and everything will be great, blah, 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 blah. Well, they didn't do crap with the bill actually they, 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 they took out all the good things that I think are best for like Medicaid and like helping out individuals uh-huh. with yeah. that are that are poorer pretty much that it, it would be it'd be a shell of a bill uh-huh. and for the longest time you know the Senate was debating on this and all the Republicans were behind it all the stupid uh-huh. freaking Republicans were behind it and all the Democrats were against it now I don't say it in the sense of oh all Republicans are stupid because when the Affordable Health Care Act was passed uh-huh. Uh, the Obama administration played this played the same heavy-handed um, yeah, sure, tactics to get it passed because there was not a single Republican backing it, but it still passed. And the thing is, that wasn't really their fault. I mean, the the funny thing about the Affordable Care Act is it was the Republican bill. Like, I don't know if you've heard about this, how, like, in the mid-90s, or yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, 90s, yeah, 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 how the yeah, Clinton administration yeah. wanted to reform health care, and there was a big battle over it, so they tried to—so, like, um— the Heritage Foundation produced this major study of, okay, how can we do a conservative edge on um, reforming health care? Right. And basically, the ACA is what they came up with. Right. It wouldn't be universal or anything like that. It would still be market-based. Right. But the idea was, okay, we if we're going to expand coverage, and if we still want it to be market-based and work in the market, we have to have an individual mandate. Okay, yeah. That makes it still market-based. It's still the private sector. It's not universal. Right, 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 right. But right, right, it's right. some sort of policy right. tool to make the thing work. Right, right. And the Obama administration, like, people forget, like— during Obama's campaign, his big thing was, we're going to be more bipartisan in Washington, remember? Yeah. Because like when he came into the um, public consciousness right. with the 2004 speech at the Democratic National Convention, right, right, his right. famous thing, there's no red America or blue America, there's just the United States of America. Right, right. So his whole um, image of himself was a moder- like a moderate um, uniter. Right. So he said, okay— Let's craft this bill that can have bipartisan support. Right. We're going to base it off the Republican Heritage Foundation study, right. which Mitt Romney enacted in right. Massachusetts, I, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, and this is yeah. what we're going to do, thinking, okay, we gave them this big fig leaf. Right. We basically made our health care reform what the Republicans were talking about wanting for the longest time. Right. And then suddenly they're like, oh, this is communism. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I heard that. And honestly, I, I've heard about the back and forth that these policymakers have been trying to go for. And I think, too, at the same sense, I feel like they just wanted something to fight about. And that's what I've been saying since the get-go. Oh, yeah, for our, sure. Our, our government is so broken with just the, partisan, the partisanism of it all. And I don't think anyone – I don't – Honestly, there's no way to fix it. You know why there's no way to fix it? Because here's the thing. Everyone hates Congress, right? Like if you do opinion polling, everyone has a very low opinion right. of Congress in general. Right. But if you do opinion polling about their congressmen, everyone loves their congressmen. You see what I mean? Right. Everyone so, loves what they're putting into the thing, right. but they hate the result of the thing that everyone <laughs> puts into. So there's literally no way to fix it. Well, I don't know. I think we just need some some well, there is. Uh-huh. No, I think there's a way to there fix is. it, but it's never going to happen. Well, it did happen. Hmm. So, let me let me continue with the story then. So, in the Senate now, we had the skinny repeal bill, which By the way, I want to say, the skinny repeal, remember the budget 
Trump submitted with right. all those cuts. Right. And he tried to brand it better, so he called it a skinny budget. Yeah. Like, is this like the one adjective they know? <laughs> <laughs> That's skinny. true. That's true. I don't. I don't. I don't like the connotation. We're going to have a great skinny war with North Korea. Like, <laughs> I've got my generals working on a great skinny nuclear weapon. It's going to be tremendous. Everything's go- every terrible thing that they want to sound good, they're going to call skinny. Oh my god. Great, that's amazing. We've got, we've got a we've got a great um. Our, my health secretary is working on a fantastic skinny obesity policy. <laughs> I love your expression. You do the best impressions of people. Do, do the, I? Do an Obama. Do an Obama. I can't. I that one time I did Obama and it was good. I can't do Obama anymore. Just, just, just do try. Obama. Okay. I'm trying to do. I can't do Obama. All right, we're, you got to practice that for next All week. All right, I got to try. It's not so much your accent about Obama; it's your diction. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. Way the Obama diction. Oh my God, it's so wonderful. Anyhow, um, so yeah, so the skinny repeal bill for the for the health care bill was was due to be passed, uh-huh. honestly, in the Senate. And then the idea was, okay, it's not perfect, but let's put it back to the House uh-huh. and have them to. It's just a back and forth bumble bumble skunk, mm. you know. Situation. Bumble skunk. Bumble skunk, guys. That's that's Dave <laughs> trying to censor him, to censor himself. Um, so anyhow, uh, so but there were two Republican Congresswomen, uh-huh. uh, uh, excuse me, senators, yeah, uh, who were who were against the bill. Since what were their one. names? There was one, it was Kolakowski or something. Well, it, the interesting fact is is that one they were on two. One's from Alaska, uh, and the other one was from Maine. Hmm. So we had two. Congress or uh, senators, uh, w- rather, two women senators who were against the the, the, the bill uh-huh. from t- opposite sides of the entire country, uh-huh. and their names were Senator Susan Collins, yeah, that's and right. Senator Lisa Murkowski, yeah, that's right. And uh-huh. these women have been on the forefront against this BS that was uh-huh. going on and yeah. saying this is just not it. This is not this is not the way it should be. Uh-huh. But the problem was is that you had fifty, uh, excuse me, fifty Congress people. Uh-huh. Senators, excuse me, uh, Democrats, right? Uh-huh. And then again, well, you know, it. senators are still Congress people. Yeah, I know, but you know, okay, yeah, but you know, <laughs> uh, and then you had, um, but you had also the two against it that were, um, it, it was that fifty-fifty, pretty much, yeah, is what it uh-huh. what came down to. And it was all about what's McCain going to do. Yeah, and so it was all coming down to well, well actually, it wasn't it wasn't originally actually uh-huh. McCain was not an outlier on this bill at all. No, no, no. There there were a couple. Like right. it started with like five or six or seven right. or whatever, and they were ticking them off, ticking them yeah, off, ticking them uh-huh. off. Taking them off, and they, yeah. it was essentially back to fifty-fifty again. Uh-huh. And anyhow, what came down to was they were thinking that maybe Mike uh, P- Pence, uh, uh, um, Pence, right? Yeah, the, sen- the vice, vice president, president was oh, going to have to cast. He cast the the, yeah. the breaking vote. Uh-huh. So then there was murmurs going around uh, the Senate about whether or not you know it's going to be passed, and that there's so- there was something al- afoot. There was something going on. And then in an interview. McCain, right before his vote, he said they, uh, uh, a reporter asked him, "So McCain, when are what are you going to vote on for this bill?" And he says, "Can't say, but watch. It's going to be heck of a show." <laughs> so before we get to the result of what he voted for, uh-huh. let's talk about where he was two weeks prior to this mm-hmm. voting. Yeah, uh, he was diagnosed. John McCain. John McCain, uh, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, a Republican running candidate for presidential election in two thousand and eight. Yes. he was the one who lost to. Obama. He was the one that first lose to Obama. Correct. He was a war veteran from Vietnam. Was in prison for a couple yeah, of years. Uh-huh. Tortured. Uh, all these. So he, you know, he can't rise his arms above correct. like his head. He's a war hero. You know what I mean? He he. And I can't believe that Trump said that. You hear yeah, yeah, that yeah. tweet uh-huh. that he said about McCain? Like, oh wait, which one was this? Uh, last time I checked, war heroes don't get captured. 
No, okay. Was, was that a recent one? I know, like, early on in his candidacy, right. he had this interview with some guy, and right. he said something bad about McCain. And the guy was like, come on, come on, you can't say that. He's a war hero. Yeah. And Trump was like, eh, he's a hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So anyhow, um, what do you call it? So McCain had just been diagnosed with a brain cancer. So uh-huh. he had to get a tumor removed from his, from his, from his brain. Um, and uh, supposedly, I, don't, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't know this. I don't know that. But he only probably has a couple months left to live. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. He's 80 years old. He's been in Congress. He's been working for the government for God knows how long. long time, he's yeah. been He's been making deals, compromising, all mm-hmm. this stuff over and over and over. I can only imagine how much of a burden that could be on a person's character to yeah. just, uh-huh. just like not get all they – it's – you know, it's 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 the government. It's 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 freaking uh-huh. snake. It's a snake pit. So he just got through surgery. He's only a limited amount of time left to live. And then there's this big bill coming up mm-hmm. that everybody wants to have it go one way in the Republican Party, and the Democrats want to go it the other way. Yeah. And John McCain comes into that Congress. Uh-huh. You have you have uh, Mitch McConnell, who is the majority leader of the Senate, just looking stern yeah. and angry. <laughs> and yep. then, and then you got. Uh, Susan Collins and uh, Lisa Murkowski up up on the up on the uh-huh. benches and they're standing up. They want to see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You got Bernie Sanders noticing that McCain is coming in, taps uh-huh. one of his aide's shoulders to, to say, "What? Look at this! Watch what's about uh-huh. to happen." So this this whole scene is set up like almost like a Renaissance painting. Uh, yeah. You can just uh-huh. look and see what every individual character is about to do. And then McCain walks into that room. Uh-huh. He lifts his hand up, <laughs> up to his shoulder, like yep. an emperor of Rome uh-huh. during a Coliseum yep. fight. Then and then down. he puts his thumb down. Yeah. No. And, like, and you then can the hear whole the place is like gasping, like, uh-huh. oh, my God, look at this. And then and you see like Mitch McConnell walking with his arms crossed and his head down. Down like this. Uh-huh. And, it, and then the bill was dead. And he uh-huh. said this. And it was the same argument from the day one. I didn't. I told it. I said to all of you, I did not like how the Affordable Health Care Act was passed without a single Republican vote, uh-huh. and I do not like how this bill is going to be passed without a single Democrat vote. America does not need a shell of a bill to go into the House and to be manipulated and fixed. I'm not yep. quoting it per word, but that's the sense yeah. of what what he was saying. And you know what? Thank you, John McCain. Yeah, Thank you good. for your service in our government. That's what will fix our uh-huh. government. None of this constituent pandering BS. What uh-huh. is good for the entire nation? I get it. You need your pork and freaking beans for your stinking state uh-huh. or what, or wherever you are. But this is, we are not a state of America. We are United States of America. Oh, boy. And this is that was what, some Obama th- stuff. Th- this is what we need. We need people to stand up and say, this is not, this is not even a compromise. Compromise. This is a, this is nothing. This is just bravado at its worst. Uh-huh. And the point, of the fact of the matter is this, ladies and gentlemen, is that we need more individuals that are willing to stand up for what is right. And this bill was not right for America. The fact of the matter is, none of the things that they're proposing is any bit good. It's not helping anyone, and it's really just going to make the situation worse for the next generation to be able to take care of. And you know, it's just it's just mind boggling to me that we think that this this idea of oh, are we sticking to our guns we're doing this and we're doing that and we think that that's what america should be like us just fighting about the same crap over and over again and not really solving anything we need people that are going to make a decision hard decisions but the right decisions to make and we want to have that happen before they're diagnosed with cancer before they're about to die in four months and then say oh screw everything i'm gonna do the right thing now you know i mean i'm not trying to bash john mccain for whatever he's done or why he's done it or what have you but do we really need someone to have an existential crisis about their existence yeah we do to be able to 
to make it the right freaking decision. Uh-huh. And that's why I stand by what happened with the Senators, Susan Collins and Lisa Morkowski. They stood up for the right thing. And it leads us to another question, another argument, because a lot of What's that skinny health care bill crap uh-huh. was taking away a lot of women's health care um, initiatives like reproductive rights, uh, um, um, contraceptives, um, uh, Planned Parenthood, whatever. You know, all the, the, the bill was pretty much stripping all of that away. And, you know, I think maybe that's an initiative to say we need more women in the Senate. Period. We need because I feel like that representation done by all these men, and I'm just and I'm a man saying this too, but I at least recognize the fact that this is influential. This is important to recognize that women that were in Senate saw what they thought was the best option for the majority of the country and stood up to the Republican Party for it. You know, and I, I feel like that is in itself a, a story in this story. You know what I mean? We all say, look at John McCain. He just he he did this huge act of of, of chivalry or whatever. But all the while, we had these two senators who. On the good fight for the entirety of this debate, and I think it's important for us to recognize the fact that they were there. So I don't know, maybe it's just yeah, but like that—that's why what you say. This is what we need. This is how we're going to fix things. I mean, having a senator who like did the wrong thing ninety-nine percent of the time, <laughs> and then finally does the right thing once he's been diagnosed with brain cancer. I don't think that's a viable solution. That's what I'm saying. We can't. I hope that. Our, our our politicians are thinking above and beyond what their I mean, next a, election I mean, cycle is going to be. Look, it, I'm a I'm a pessimist. If you want to ask me, how do you fix it? I think the only way to fix it is to restrict voting to only those uh, who are extremely informed. I'm not even saying that's a good idea. I'm saying if you want to fix things, that's basically what you have to do. You can't do but that. Li- exactly. Like you I said, I'm a I'm a pessimist. I don't think it's going to be fixed ever. No, I, I, again, like... We, Unless, we, like, everyone starts getting brain cancer. Maybe, <laughs> no, maybe that's what you should do. If you want to go to the Senate, you have to be subjected to a toxic dose of radiation <laughs> so that you develop brain cancer. So your entire, like, four-month term, there's only going to be four-month terms. Right, right. Because everyone who goes in is going to have terrible brain cancer. Right. So your entire four-month term, is you're going to be thinking, I better do something good so I don't go to hell. Like, <laughs> that... that, that <laughs> That's how we reform this the is, Senate. This is Timmy's uh, politi- poli sci yeah, theory for the betterment every, of our country. Every person who enters government must be confronted with closely impending death. So that they police their actions better, so they don't go to hell. Thank that's you. how we fix I, it. I, I think I think that's a, that's a shoe in for uh, for a dissertation. I think, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I guess it does add to the idea of the you know the the. The, the what's the word I'm looking for? I have no idea. How we're not going to be here forever. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I feel like as human beings, we have to really think about what's about the next generation of people. And I think too often than not, we're really self-serving in our own existence. I mean, we could go off on a debate about whether global warming and climate change and how that's really going to affect this and mm-hmm. that or pollution or, or health care. I mean, it all comes down to like we're not going to be here forever. And uh-huh. we, do we want to live for now and just like be selfish or do we want to look forward and saying, you know, I want to live beyond my own means beyond my own self Mm -hmm. and you know I had an interesting conversation about this the other day um, with a friend regarding about how you know we 
if we waste our gifts here on earth to not help the betterment of society, uh, I think that's one of the most selfish acts one could possibly do. If someone's uh-huh. just, if someone, for two things, if one is just self-serving and just does everything for themselves, like that's easy for us to say that person is not morally sound in the sense that, for, to me at least, in my opinion of what it means to be a good person, uh-huh. you're not doing the right thing. You're just doing things for yourself. Yeah. But secondly, I think a person who has ability and chooses not to use it for anything is just as bad as one who uses it just for themselves. Uh-huh. You know, the gift of life is, is, is in and of itself is a wonderfully amazing thing. But if you are giving gifts upon that gift, such as intellect in certain areas or able to do certain tasks better than others, mm-hmm. and you choose not to use them for the betterment of society or at all, I feel like uh-huh. that's a gravest of all sins because you've been given a gift and you're not using it. Uh-huh. And I kind of feel like in a way that our politicians have been given a gift of power, granted gifted upon by the constituents, uh-huh. but and by not doing the right thing. I think there's a problem in the culture of politics uh-huh. rather than a problem with the necessary um, way in which our government is structured. I think there's a culture issue well, the thing is, of the government. It's not really the con- like it's the constituents who cast the votes, but it's not really the constituents uh, that yeah, elect it's them. Elector, it's the elector. donors that. Uh, elect well, true, 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 so true. So they're 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 using their gift to do what the people who actually put them in charge want them to do. I don't know. Uh, we can go into that it's to not another. Good, I, we can always go back to that in another debate. Yeah. I don't know. So. Thank you, John McCain. I just wanted to put that out there. If our viewers check out what happened, uh, thank you, John McCain, for stepping up and doing the right thing. Yeah, he's and, listening, so he's going to know this. Well, of course, right? But um, I, I, I speak for a lot of people when I say like that. That made me have a little glimpse of hope for yeah. this for the next couple of years that are going yeah. forward. And I regular hope- regular listener Donald Trump isn't going to like this segment. <laughs> well, sorry, Donnie, but uh, yeah. you know you can you can say you need a skinny reform bill of the uh, free speech, but um, you know this is this is how it is. So. Yep. Um, regarding that though, about speech and the idea of, Ooh, of, of, where's this going? This is going to the fact like that it. Tim was telling me, huh? you know, it's just this today. He's like, Dave, I think I need to talk about something serious today. I don't know. Okay. And uh, I was like, all right, Tim, what is it? Um, and then he explained it to me and I said, yeah, I guess we can go that convoluted, but I'm going to insult you all the way through it. So I'm Tim, not going to insult you all the way through it. I'm going to insult you most of the way okay, through it. Okay. So... And this goes on to how we were just talking about what particularly is wrong with the government, with society, with the economy. And I guess I've been sort of formulating, not really formulating, but like realizing a grand theory of exactly what's wrong. Just because this week I've been reading a lot of articles about general, like the class structure of America and how it's changing and like what it's going to be going forward and how, and like what housing costs, what the trends are like, what the general trends and inequality are like. Right. So I don't know. Here's my sort of grand unified theory about what's so wrong about this country. Buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. You're on for a wild ride for the the today's show. And let's first get into what necessarily isn't so wrong, but what but what is often said is wrong. Oreo cookies, like yeah, I, I like think everyone, everyone says that's ruining actually, the country. There's no dairy in them, actually. Yeah. It's a very ve- yeah, it's a very yeah. vegan food, actually. It's, huh. a, it's a not. I guess that's going to be the next health craze: the all the all <laughs> Oreo diet. That's going to be that's going to be part of the. My question is, what is program. the cream then? If uh, like the, you don't you don't want to know, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember that one episode of Futurama with the, what is it, Slurm? Slurm, yeah. Where it's, <laughs> where it's like this disgusting bug. Yeah, just squirting out like, what? 
her or I don't even want to know what it was. Like it could be a lot of different things. That's what the cream is. There's a bug in the in, in another in another planet underground, squeeze, like squeezing out whatever it is inside like, Oreo cookies. Like Oreo, like aliens exist, right? And like sure. that's what they gave us. The Oreo, like, <laughs> the Oreo that's, cream. That's, that's the peace offering. It's like, like if their... you eat our excrements, exactly. we will not conquer you. We just want to laugh at you every time we There's know. like this advanced alien civilization, right. and it's like a beehive where they all serve the queen, <laughs> and the queen is this disgusting bug that squirts out the Oreo stuff. Creep. And that's why, that's what we eat. Okay. Okay. So that's the world. Well, I'm glad we digressed into that, but Tim, tell us your so grand model of on, the world. On this podcast, we often speak about what's going wrong with the American economy, especially as it concerns our generation, right. the so-called millennial generation. Right. So-called millennial generation. And we generation. often talk about the um, high debt loads and such. Right. right. And you were talking about the other day, the stagnant incomes and the reversing incomes. For sure. For sure. Here's the thing. In a lot of senses, that's not true. It's true in two major senses, and I'll get to that. Okay. In reality, in a lot of senses, that isn't true. Um, a big reason, there, there's a famous chart going around that showed um, overall income versus productivity. Right. And it looks like productivity skyrocketed past the gains in income. Okay. That's sort of true. It's it's corrected if you account for total compensation, um, pension plans, and... Um, Healthcare. What's it called? Healthcare yeah. make up a really big bulk of the difference. Right, right, right. Another thing that makes up a really big bulk of the difference is using different deflators. Like things cost differently over time, right? right? And yeah, the composition yeah. of what you buy changes over time, right? Okay, yep. yep. Like, to, I mean, it's really wonky, but like, so I'm not going to get into it no, too no, much. No, no, no. But, but I, basically, yeah. if you adjust for how you're composing, like the basket of goods that they use for inflation and right. use for price differences, right, 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 right. that corrects for a big. A big difference. Right. And also a major thing is um, a lot of times this um, topic is discussed in terms of household income. Yeah. It's true that household income looks like it's going down, but a major factor in that is that households are smaller in general. Right. Like maybe in the past you would have a household that was an average of four people. Mm -hmm. Now you have a household that's an average of two people. Right. Just to take a random example. If the two-person household income is a little bit smaller, still everyone in general is better off. Okay. Okay. So in reality, it's really not the case that purchasing power and income gains have been going, reversing, or stagnating. And I mean, if you just think about it, you know, we can buy a lot more stuff than we used to be able to. It's not like, in general, it's it's too hard for us to buy stuff. It's not. It's easier than it's ever been to buy stuff. It's easier than it's ever been to buy electronics, to buy furniture. Even food is a lot less expensive than it used to be. Yeah. It seems expensive sometimes, but if you actually look over the long term the percentage of one's income that one spends on food, it's basically lower now than it's ever been. Yeah, Even back in sense. the 50s, which is like the golden age of the working class right, man, you know right, what I mean? Right, 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 they right. spent a much bigger portion of their income than food. Hmm. It's much easier to buy luxury luxuries than it's ever been before. People buy more entertainment. They right. go out to eat more. As t in, When it comes to buying stuff and consuming, that hasn't gone down. The reality is, in that sense... Everyone is better off than they than they've ever been before. However, so the, now yeah. So the question is, there's still a malaise among people, right? There's yes. still a sense that things are worse than they used to be. Things are harder than they used to be. So right. why is it? It's because of two big things, and it's really only two big things: education and housing. Okay. So why is education so much more expensive than it used to be? Here's my idea why, and it's the same reason 
at base for why housing is so much more expensive okay, than okay. it used to be. All right. Swing it, dude. Obviously, we've gone away from being a manufacturing economy, yes. and we've gone into being a service economy. Correct. Yes. The thing about services, they require less concrete skills. Correct. They require a different set of skills. Right. Maybe someone who's great at manufacturing might not have these skills. Right. You need a sort of flexible mindset. You need a broader base of um, general knowledge. Right. You need better communication skills, better writing skills. You need better interpersonal skills, right. the so-called soft skills, right, right, which right. are harder to measure but do actually exist and are, and are important. Yeah. And if you try to measure them, you do see that people with better so-called soft skills are, in fact, better off and do better in the economy. Currently. Yeah, yeah, currently. So... Why would this cause education to go up so high? All right. So in the old days, uh-huh. there were these so-called white-collar administrative jobs, right? Okay. But there were much fewer of them. What did most people do? They were farmers. They were tradesmen. They worked in manufacturing, doing a specific technical task, right? Okay. Yeah. That means yeah. they needed technical skills, specific skills. The white-collar workforce, which was much smaller than it is now— yeah didn't need specific skills, but they needed to be generally educated. Right. And there was a trend because those positions carry a lot of power uh-huh. and prestige, right? Yep. There was a big trend for them. Well, obviously, they were mostly filled by the higher class people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in general, the higher class people were always sent away to university, right? Right, 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 like right, right. Even back in the day when it was more of like a social club than an academic thing. Yes. It was a marker of status and Correct. a marker of class. Correct, yes. And it was that marker of class or status that right. bought you entry into this white collar profession. Correct. Because the idea of this white collar profession is okay, we don't need a specific technical skill, but we need a sort, a kind of person who has the flexibility of mind and the broadness of knowledge and the ability to communicate and the ability to learn new things. Uh We don't know what exactly those things are going to be, but we need someone who can learn new things in general. We need a generally educated person. Right. Liberal arts. Right. Exactly. Yes. So, and that worked out Uh for a time when the number of people who had that education was so small because it hadn't been expanded to the general population. Correct. Correct. So, basically... Back then, a college degree marked you as a person of a higher social class, right. and therefore the sort of person who can do these administrative white-collar jobs well. All right. The sort of person who was fit for that sort of occupation. Fair enough. Are you about, were you about to say something? No, I'm, I'm agreeing. Okay. I'm agreeing. So now, the kinds of jobs that the other people did— the tradesmen and the manufacturing workers and the agricultural workers, so much of that has been automated or offshore. Correct, yes. And kind of it, going back to what we were talking about from our last yeah, podcast. Yes, so much of that has been automated and offshore. And since so much of it has been automated or offshore, there's much more demand in America for these white-collar professionals because we still need to design things. We need administrative tasks when you have these large supply chains right, 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 and right. really complicated integration of different manufacturing mm-hmm. and different resource yep. acquisitions. Yep. You need a lot of people to manage that yes. and set that yeah, up and yeah, monitor yeah, 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 yeah. So you need more white-collar workers. Mm-hmm. So now we're at the point where the number of white-collar workers you need is a lot bigger than the amount of people who are actually upper class, right? Mm-hmm. So now we need new people going into higher education, right? right? But the thing is, 
a lot of these things, you don't really need higher education. Like, for example, I worked in a um, insurance insurance call center um, last summer. Right, right. And all you really needed to do to be an adjuster, you needed to know the company's policy. You needed to be able to communicate with the people who go um, repair the, um, the what's it called, the machinery that the customer was it like um doing a claim on right? right like their machinery gets broken down they have right. a policy right right they say okay our machinery broke we bought this for a reason give us the money okay so what basically the people needed to do was just to um call the people who worked on it ask them what happened make sure it aligned with um what's it called with what was written in the policy Correct, yes. to see whether or not this is a claim we need to pay out on Correct. Or not. Yeah, 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 yeah like they only hire people with um college degrees right okay you don't need a college degree to do that. You need to be a smart person to do it to some degree, but you don't need like having a history degree and learning like why America invaded the Philippines in the 1920s or whatever, or having Did a community that 1920s or 1910s. One okay, or the other. Yeah. Say, yeah. Um, or learning about, you know, freaking Shakespearean plays. Them, though. I think, I think what happened, we invaded. Was, no, well, I think, no, 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 no. We, we, we took, no, this is what happened. Okay, go All ahead. Right, the Spaniards owned the 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 island or what uh-huh. have you. Okay, and then when we took them out, or and with the helps of the insurgents of the Philippine people, uh-huh. we then came in. And I don't think we like took it like so in a sense that we didn't like conquer them. It's just that we we replaced one uh-huh. group of people that were you know you know taking uh, advantage of a of, of, of a civilization and then took and then and then put us ourselves in there. We did that same thing with Guam, um, all that stuff. So yeah. Okay, so yeah, Sorry. but anyway, you I don't do have really... a history degree. I know, I know, you know some history, <laughs> and I do like to know these things. Yeah, I understand. I, that's not my specialty at all. So you're probably you're, more you're, right than I would be. Probably, um, I'd be more be. right about you when it comes to the late Roman Empire, though. Probably, anyway, you, are, you do read a lot about that. <laughs> anyway, so um, where was I saying? Okay, so and a lot of these jobs are the same way. These sort of administrative white collar jobs mm-hmm. that you don't really. You can do it without knowing the contents of an academic fair history enough, degree fair enough, fair or enough. an academic um, English degree or an academic psychology degree or anything, right? Okay. But okay. the thing is, white-collar work in general is still in the mindset that we need a specific sort of person to do this. Right. They need to be an educated person. Right. And that sort of, I believe, that's just a holdover from how it used to work. Right. Like, it's just a mindset that's been um, that's just been set in stone mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this sort of sector. Right, 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 right. And right. even though... It doesn't really match up to any factual reason or why. Like, for example, there's this economist called Brian Kaplan who looks into this at length, and he's about to come out with a book that really goes in-depth to see whether a college degree specifically adds value. I'm I'm not talking about, like, an— Economic value. No, yeah. I'm not talking about, like, an engineering degree. That's obviously important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need— a real education to know how to be an electrical engineer. But, but, but like the idea is, okay, is a history degree really going to make me this much of a better CEO or whatever? Is a communications degree really going to make me this much better of an insurance adjuster? Right. And generally the economic literature says it's all about signaling. What that means is these degrees don't help me perform the tasks of the job. What they do is they tell people I am smart enough to get this degree, therefore I'm smart enough to do this work. So you're saying the work is okay. So let me let me back up here because okay. there's a lot for our viewers or listeners rather to really take in here. Essentially, now that a lot of these degrees that are being given, these liberal uh-huh. arts degrees, yeah. are just an indicator of my ability to complete tasks yes. and do things. Yes. Okay, 
that are beneath that are higher than the than the lowlier jobs that they're probably going to actually take part in. So yes, this job is this job requires this amount of skill level, okay? Uh-huh. And it's like maybe I don't know. Let's on a gauge of one to one hundred, uh-huh. a skill level of twenty, okay? And let's yeah. say a degree is a skill level of uh ninety to hundred, depending uh-huh. on what it was, right? Yeah. So they're saying, well. There's this skill level is twenty percent, a twenty, you know, twenty points uh-huh. to get to get to do this job as insurance adjuster. We're looking for college people whose qualifications to do these jobs are at the ninety to hundred range. So there's that uh-huh. gap of you, you know, of of like sixty percent, sixty eighty percent right there. That's saying yeah. to yourself. There's just it's an over education like you're over yeah and I get it you want to hire the best person for the job uh-huh. but and but I think it's kind of almost in a sense you know. Um, Putting a person in a position where then it is in America, where if you don't have a degree uh-huh. in a yeah, college degree, uh-huh. like it's almost impossible to find any exactly. gainful employment without working 60, 70 yeah, like, hours like, a week. You know what I mean? And th- I think on top of that too is then, and not to not to subvert mm-hmm. you from your own conversation. Hey, companies, if you want someone with a four year degree or an advanced degree, you better have incentives in your stupid chicken chicken junk company <laughs> that allows that that allows that debt to be decreased by some initiative within the company. You work with us for three or four years, we're going to take off twenty thousand dollars of your debt you know uh-huh. like if you you want you want someone like me you want someone like us out there that has a job and a career and things of that nature and you freaking pay up what it costs to get you this stinking person because you know what i'm fed up i'm fed up with you telling me and telling this country that anybody who doesn't have a degree is not good enough there are plenty of brilliant smart people out there that just don't want to pay sixty thousand dollars because mom and dad couldn't afford it for them okay they don't want to go into debt for that you know what you should do you should allow the people that you hire to get a dang degree that you so freaking herald is this amazing immaculate wonderful thing and you pay for it you pay for it not us wow you got hot there well i think the viewers needed some of that okay anyway so where was i (laughs) so exactly think of it this way okay back in the day you had more jobs on a man on a manufacturing line maybe you had to i don't know install a certain piece of equipment into the mainframe of a car something like that how do you test whether you can do that You, you ask them to do it and see if they can do it right how do you test whether someone's fit to be a mechanic? I don't know. You give them an engine and say, rebuild the engine, right? Right. A really concrete, observable task because the point of this job is to do specific, concrete, observable tasks right, right, that right. we can easy, easily test for. Right. Now, in more white-collar, managerial, administrative work, right. there is no one specific task that you're going to do over and over again. Right, right, right. So there's no way to test them based on that. Right. So what do you have to do? You look at whether they have a degree or not, and you say, okay, if we have a degree, if they have a degree, we're confident that they can, in general, do this. Um, Learn on the spot. Right, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that means that if you don't have a degree, you're going to be shut out of this expanding white-collar service industry Mm -hmm. and there's not enough blue collar trade manufacturing jobs left anymore for you to really just not get a degree right 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 right, like you need a degree and it's getting to the point where it just doesn't make sense anymore because how can you distinguish yourself by getting something everyone else has right you see what i mean that's why there's such a premium on like um ivy league degrees or whatever but anyway so that yeah so that's why College costs are um, exploding so much because uh, corporations are in the mindset that you need a college degree. And if people forego that college degree, they're going to be totally locked out of the um, white-collar workforce. Right. Because they can't go and say, I know how to do this certain thing. 
Give me a test to show you I can do it like you could if you wanted to go into manufacturing or a trade. You can say, I know how to do this thing. Let me show you I know how to do this right, thing. Right, oh, right, I right. see. You can do it. Come on. You can't do that for white-collar managerial administrative works because there isn't a specific thing you need to do. Right. And really the only way right now that you can show you have the general sort of mind and disposition huh. to do right, this right, kind right. of work is getting a, stinky is degree. Getting a degree. And it doesn't even matter what your right, degree right. is. You just have to show yeah, yeah, them that yeah. you are yeah, capable yeah. of getting this degree. So that's how, that's how you buy in to the class. You buy yourself into the sort of person right. who can do this sort of work. Right, 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 right. And that means it's inc- like it's valuable beyond what you can really measure mm-hmm. because it's like a meal ticket. Right. And it's not even a good meal ticket anymore. Not anymore. Which no. is the problem. That's another thing. You know what? If you want if you want a degree from us, if you want a degree from us, you pay us what we should yeah. be earning for that degree, mind you, okay? None of this 40-50 stuff. None of that stuff because you can't because well, because you're about to piggyback and start talking about the housing issues that are coming about with this. Yeah. And that's directly related to how much money you make. I don't care how many benefits you have. If I can't yeah. live in a place that's safe for my family, then you know what? You're not doing me any stinking favors. It's all in the end of the day is I think they're purposely putting us into debt. They want us to go into debt. They want us to feel the, the clamp on our freaking skulls, just like the manufacturers did during the Industrial Revolution. It's just another form of us trying to control us and make us into their pawns so they can fill their freaking pockets with freaking gumdrops and lollipops. Wow. Okay, so that's why education is so expensive. Yes. Because it's not that you go to learn a specific thing anymore. Correct. It's that you go to show you're the sort of person who is fit for white-collar work. Right. And you can't really quantify that as having a value. Correct. So basically, the government should should pay for our college education. Yeah. So basically, colleges can jack up the price as much as they want. No, there should be no, 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 no. no. And you and people can't afford to forego it because then not anymore, not anymore. Because then corporations will see you're not the sort of person who can do this sort of work. (sighs) And since white collar work is now so much of the um, workforce advances the society, you need to show that you can do it. So what about housing? Now there's a way around this. Well. I'm not going to go into that. Forget it. Let's go on to housing. Housing. So. Well, wait. Well, I think that's a little bit of a. That's what? A, that's a little bit of a tease. Like you say there's a problem. Now there's a way around oh, it. Oh, okay. I think companies should just administer IQ tests and that's how they hire. I don't think that's. that's. A, let's not go into it. I let's mean, not it's, go, too, let's it's not. too complicated. I know. So I know complicated. you've always advocated for that philosopher king ideology and the yeah. IQism. And uh-huh. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. I, yeah, I, I love you, Tim, but I'm not going to buy it. All right. Okay. Housing. Go. Housing. So why is how? Because okay. Because like I said, that's the two things that are causing people. Oh yeah. Oh grief. yeah. Education, education and housing. Yeah. It's really not anything else. It's so what just about housing? Those two what with the housing? So housing. Why is housing so expensive? It's get, it's like unbelievably expensive. So they live okay. in nice areas. Exactly. They live in proper areas that have have facilities that are not defunct. To be in communities that the crime level is low, where they have communities with better. Uh, uh, educated, um, what do you call it? Um, education systems. Yeah. Uh, and you have, and and you're living in a commutable part where you can go to your job and not have to like die mm-hmm. on the highway every 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 day driving three hours. So, yeah. so when you say why is housing expensive, we're not talking about globally or nationally in America as far as singular housing. Why is Good housing locations so damn expensive yeah, in America. Yeah, and I'm about to get into why there are good housing locations, so called. It used to not so much be that way. Here's what I here's what I mean. Okay, so now I'm gonna need a Kit Kat bar. I've just explained how the shift into an expanded white collar service uh-huh. economy has caused the cost of education to go up, yep. and it's done the same thing to housing. Like that's the same reason why, uh-huh. because back when we had a manufacturing economy, right? You had an economy that was more decentralized. Yeah. 
You can have a factory here, here, and here, all across the country. You can have a factory in Philadelphia, in Detroit, in Cincinnati, Kinkinati. You know the Latins actually pronounced all the C's as K's. It's not Julius Caesar, it's Julius Caesar. Anyway, that's Except. just that's from my Latin study. Anyway, you can have more a more decentralized economy or factories like basically dot the landscape and oh. it's more densely filled out. Mm. The service economy isn't really that way. The service economy, you more so have services concentrated in major cities, like the real major cities, like San Francisco, New York, sort of Philadelphia, Boston, sort of Washington, D.C. It's not really totally understood why this is why this is like it's actually a major issue in in, um, economics right now. Why we're observing this trend. There's a million different explanations that might be plausible. All that matters is it's true. What we can observe is that the white collar service economy is much more geographically concentrated than the manufacturing economy was. What does that mean? That means if you want access into this economy, just like you had to get the degree to be the sort of Mm -hmm, person who mm -hmm. can get these jobs, Mm -hmm. if you want access to this economy, it really limits where you can live. Exactly. You can't live in Cincinnati anymore because it just so happens that wasn't one of the mega cities where this economy decided to concentrate. Correct. Correct. Back in the day, you could live in Cincinnati because there was a... um, Right factory you could live in des moines iowa because there was a factory you can live in detroit because there was a factory there's factories one away and the service industries that replace them are increasingly concentrating in certain areas so you have to live in those certain areas Correct. what does that mean a mil like 10 times the amount of people want to live in this particular area and supply and demand so that's it and that's it and also um housing there's a lot of restrictions in these cities on building housing which is also a big problem. Right. But even if you got rid of those dist- restrictions, it'd still be a problem because the increase in demand is just so unbelievable. Yeah. So in a sense, so then, so in a sense then, you're saying this. Yes. You need a degree or you're going to be in a position where you're not going to be able to live a, a life in which would be, um, I would say, comfortable. Yeah. Okay? Uh-huh. If you don't have a degree, you're going to be having a lot harder time finding ways to get employment that's gainful. Or at least, you know, something that you can be, you know, happy with in, this, in the degree of it's not like arduous going on top of a telephone pole every day of life. Not to say that's a bad job. It's just that it's a difficult job to have and not everybody can do it's it. It's hard to get. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, for sure. And then so once you have the degree, that's still not a shoe in as you said, to be getting a successful, happy life. You also, on in conjunction to that, have to be able to uh, make sacrifices to be in areas where there is even work for your degree to be in. Uh-huh. And even then, you yeah. still may not be even living in a very, quote-unquote, yeah. gainfully happy life because you have to make a sacrifice between housing, security, and all these things, or uh, having a more balanced lifestyle instead of having to have a, a, a nice place to live. You know what I mean? And the thing is, both those things, are real. they both have a really high buy-in. It's much harder for a low-income person oh, to yeah. finish college. It, it's like it's like anything else. It's, it's like, much harder it's, for a low-income. You're already established as a, yeah. as a family, uh-huh. as, a, as, a, as, a, as in your networks, and it's harder. You know, it's it's funny. Rich, rich people spend less on things than people who are are. Um, yeah, uh, sort of. That's sort credit of card true. interest rates, uh, mortgage rates. Yeah. Um, hell, even even. <laughs> People of great wealth are given free passes to go to amusement parks, uh, f- flights, etc., because they, those establishments want that clientele to be in their establishment. You know, it's 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 true. Like there is there is such a high uh, percentage of times in which the rich actually pay less for goods and services 
than they than the poor do, uh, just because of this, the, just the way that is structured. It's, it's it blows my mind. It truly does blow my mind. Yeah. So. Both those things have really high buy-ins, and that's what's fueling the discontent. It's really not anything else. It's not that people aren't getting paid enough money. They're getting paid a lot more than they used to. It's that the two major things you need are a lot more expensive, and that's it. And that's the reason why. The reason is because of the shift into um, white-collar service economy. There's only one solution to this I can think of, and I sort of already said what it is. The whole problem with the increase in um, the cost of education is that— no one, companies haven't figured out a way to test that someone is the right sort of person for white-collar yeah, work, yeah, yeah. except other than observing that they have a college degree. Correct. Which is, there's such an asymmetry there. Like, I really need to spend four years and $50,000, $100,000, $200,000 to show I have enough general reasoning ability <laughs> to do, really, to no. show I have enough general reasoning ability to um be whatever a flexible in my whatever. job duties I, exactly you, you can i'll tell you right now i'll tell you right no, now listen, if you if you, you work if you work that. and if you work as a freaking fry cook at mcdonald's for enough years and become a manager and stuff like that uh-huh. i guarantee you you know how to think on the fly yeah. to be able to be qualified to be able to sell freaking insurance and read a policy claim book i'm sorry like to me that's enough for, for a lot of jobs out there, now I'm not equating the ability level of somebody who goes to McDonald's as, as, a, as a McDonald's employee or a manager to one of which who has a degree. I'm not saying that that's the equatable. I'm just saying for a lot of jobs out there, I think those skill sets are just as valuable and actually relevant to to be able to do the job function. You don't need a degree to do it, but they know they can force a person to have a degree to get that job because there's so much of a limitation in the, in the actual job market. And that's why they're doing it because they're freaking they, – so- they, they have us by the freaking uh, – by the freaking neck, man. Okay, so it's totally absurd that you need four years and $100,000 to prove that you have the general reasoning ability Correct. to be flexible in white-collar work. Correct. Okay, how can you change that? Like I said, you can just administer a test. And there's a million problems with it, but guess what? It's better than expecting someone to spend four years and $200,000 to get a degree. It's much more direct. It's about as valid. Like, you can say there's problems with IQ testing and how many inequalities and injustices go into what the result is going to be but it's you can say the exact same thing about who gets a, a college degree and who doesn't exactly. like the the yeah. arguments for why you shouldn't um judge someone's general ability by the result of an IQ test are the exact arguments for why you shouldn't do the same thing for who gets a college degree right so you can't say that one is so much worse than the other right but the difference is one might last two hours and cost a hundred dollars whereas the one lasts five or six years and costs two hundred thousand dollars right so it's obvious this other way to do it would be unbelievably more efficient well how about this then how about this then okay no no let me finish let me finish why aren't they doing this okay here's the main reason why i don't think they're doing it because like i said 100 years ago or whatever, 200 years ago or whatever, white-collar administrative work was a class system. It was such a small fraction of the economy that the only people who did it were the upper class. And um, a college degree was a marker of class, right? right? right, 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 right. So the expansion of the white-collar workforce, it's not like one day it was 1% of the economy, the next day it was 65% of the economy. It was year over year over year, a slow increase. It wasn't a major event that happened that shifted things. It was a gradual increase Mm -hmm. one year from the next, one decade to the next. 
And in that context, people's mindset about what this job was didn't really change. Okay. The idea was still, we're a more upper-class sort of thing. We need a more polite, upper-class sort of person to do this job. Mm-hmm. And that's stayed the same way for until now. Like That idea hasn't really eradicated itself right. from the thought right. process of white-collar work. So they still kind of have a residual idea that we need to be the sort of company that hires the sort of person who gets a degree, i.e. a more upper-class person. Right, right, right. And it totally doesn't make sense to expect 70% of the population to get something that signals themselves as elite. So in a sense, then, you're saying, just as I was saying about Congress, it's not necessarily that the structure is an issue. It's that there is a... uh, culture within that uh, uh, institution of the government as well as it's not so much a problem with the structure and the needs and the sets of skills that are required within a company. It's the culture of the company saying, no, we want we want the bourgeois. Yeah, we yeah, want the yeah. educated uh-huh. class. We don't yeah. want these people right off of high school that just know how to take a test to be able to be employed. Yeah. We want prestige. Yeah, I think you know, that's go, a lot go, of You know yeah. what? Go, go, go eat an apple. Go eat an apple. Like, <laughs> that's, go some, eat an, that's some Michael Savage stuff yeah, right there. Yeah, go, go eat an apple. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, go eat it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me you want to be prestige. You're a, you, you're a Xerox company, for God's sakes. You think you have you, – you des- you're deserving of prestige? You freaking copy things, okay? You're not Gutenberg. You're not Gutenberg. Don't tell me Don't tell me these things that you want some college degree kid so you feel like you're superior for, for, for Xeroxing. Go, go eat an apple. Okay, so, that, an apple. so that's why. The problem is the shift into overwhelmingly being a service economy and the residual mindset that the service economy employees need to be upper class sort of people. I don't think it's explicit, but I think it's... Attached you know itself. what? It's, it, it's a theory, and, and honestly, and how it's a game the same theory. shift into the service sector, and for whatever reason, right, the service right. sector um, concentrates itself into a couple major areas, and that increases the housing value of anywhere where right, you would actually right. want to live. Those are the two problems. Westchester being one of them, and like that's really. It. I love Westchester. Like that's really it. No, no, I like nothing else is Tim, really a problem. I, I'll say this: there's, there's a lot to unpack there, and you know, and okay, I, there's other things I could. But we're not going to go into that. Well, of course not. We're over uh, the uh, so it's How probably long? running our longest running oh, podcast. Boy. It is. But you know what? It's all right because we I, we've provided our listeners with a uh-huh. perspective that perhaps they have not already have thought. I think we all understand to some degree that there's a problem with America when it comes to equity and the ability to be able upward mobile within the socioeconomic statuses. And I don't think it's any bit of news for anyone to say that a college degree is something of which people find as an ability to move forward. Now, how one gets it, why you need it, all those things coincide with the arguments that you were saying. Uh-huh. But I think, too, it's you added a different perspective as well about why certain areas are costing more and why this shift in like you know populations and why we want to live here and not there is also prevalent. So I think it gives our listeners some things to mull over this week. And uh, I, I think I think it's a pretty uh, poignant, poignant uh, aspect that you were giving us, and I appreciate to it. To make up for how long this went, we're going to do a 25-minute podcast next week, and we're just going to call it a skinny episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Timothy, what am I going to do with you? I don't know. <laughs>
Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, we're going to have to call it a day for us. Next week, we may have some guest speakers. We'll see. Let's hope so. No, we're going to do. We're going to make them do it. We're going to make at least do a mini podcast. Yeah, or a skinny skinny podcast. podcast. Uh, but thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I hope you learned something new today, and I hope you are just as excited about uh, the Rupee Cars new poetry coming out and the Killers new album at Wonderful Wonderful. And I really, you know, we be really good at advertising. I think we are. We they should pay us, dude. I'm just saying, like. I'm. I think when we really love something, we really love something. It's true. You know I mean, we are. We are. Gosh darn it! If anybody has a, like a like a shoe in with Brandon Flowers, the lead singer, the Killers, give yeah. him a four one one for us because I love his music. Um, anyhow, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. You can catch us on our Facebook. Uh, please subscribe at the Tim and Dave Show podcast. This is Tim. Oh, no. go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. No, we're, we're doing a call out. We are all over the place today. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, as well as our iTunes account. Yes, we have an iTunes account. We have a Google Play account. We also have a SoundCloud account. You can check us out all there. Uh, we also have a Patreon account. Uh, if you would wish to subscribe, uh, uh, donate some monies to us to be able to afford our our, uh, our incurring battery costs for Ooh. our recorder. <laughs> that was a fiasco today. Um, as well as uh, other equipment as well so we can upgrade our quote-unquote studio uh that would be great uh so thank you all for listening and i hope you all have a great rest of your week this is tim thanks tim this is dave this is tim and dave is that how it usually goes yeah have a great rest of your week everyone (laughs) (laughs) oh man i swear to god i wonder though i wonder if we made our arguments though a powerpoint whether that not a powerpoint like like an interactive i wish someone would animate us yeah you gotta you gotta do that animation